For those of you that are watching online, uh, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. So we are in a season. This season is unknown. We, we don't really know what's going to happen. It could get really bad. It may not get really bad. We really just don't know. But even as we live at home, even as we are staying in our houses far more often, as we are right there with family members, perhaps extroverts, missing the opportunity to fellowship with others, which stretches us more, perhaps introverts who have prepared all of our lives for this, and yet still you miss that community, you miss that fellowship, you don't realize how much you miss the opportunity to give a hug to somebody else, to give a high five, to give a fist bump, to do those type things. And you're thinking and realizing about now, this is going to be hard. This is going to take endurance. So this morning, what I want us to look at is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're going to focus primarily on that first portion. But as, as we look at this text, the main idea of the text that, that we're going to dig into is that we should run the race with endurance, looking to Jesus. That's where we have to keep our mindset and our focus is always looking to Jesus, looking to the promises that he has made to us, looking at how God has kept his promises in the back. So here in this text, we're going to find the word endure or endurance twice. If you include verse 3, you'll see that word again. If you back up to chapter 10, you'll see that this is the, the setup for the entire text. It tells us in verse 36 of chapter 10, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Verse 37, it says, For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. The setup here for Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12 is that we live by faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith occurs repeatedly over 20-something times. And that endurance is the theme. How do we live in a world with endurance? How do we make it through wondering what's going to happen? Uncertainty, not being able to control the future. We know and we recognize we cannot control it. So how is it that I keep my sanity? How is it that I maintain being encouraged? How is it that I keep my spirits up and I don't fall into despair? It's that I understand I live a life by faith and that by faith I can endure what this world brings as others have endured what this world brought them because we look for the hope of what comes tomorrow. Tomorrow in an eternal sense. So we look at our text. Let me read our text to us, the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 12, and then I want to break it down, and then I want to focus in on just that first part. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's break this text down. In this text, you have one main clause. That one main clause is run the race. In the original languages, in the Greek, the word endurance actually fronts that clause for emphasis. So it's telling us that with endurance... 
You're going to have to have endurance. Our calling as followers of Christ, as believers, is to run the race. And then we have three participle phrases. The first one, in the Greek, it's really easier to pick out the participle phrases, but three of those participial clauses that modify the verbs, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you see that in verse one. And then it says, let us also lay aside or laying aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And then the third is looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So our main push, our main emphasis here is to run the race with endurance. And we're given three phrases to tell us how we're supposed to run the race with endurance. Now, sometimes it's really easy to run the race. When you're in this chapel and 3,000 others are singing alongside you and we're just after getting started and we're heading into fall Bible conference and everybody is excited and the energy level is through the roof, it's really easy to run the race. But there are hard moments in all of our lives where it's difficult It's challenging to run the race. There are those moments in the middle of those long runs where it feels like it's really difficult to catch your breath. It feels like you're running uphill constantly. It feels like somebody hit the incline button on the treadmill and you didn't ask them to. And all of a sudden you're struggling just to keep going. And we have to have that spiritual mental fortitude to say to ourselves, to preach the gospel to ourselves, to read the word and dig in deep, to ask God to get, to be honest with God. And to say, God, this is hard. God, I don't like this. God, how do I endure during this time? We run the race with endurance. So how do we do that? Well, it gives us three ways, just simply here. It says, look at the cloud of witnesses. I'm gonna dig into that. And then it says, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Those weights and sins separated. So some of those weights holding us back may not be sinful things. They may just be holding us back. We lay them aside. We get rid of the sinful things that are holding us back. The anxiety, the worry, the sinful temptations, the things that pull us in. We let go of that. We let go of the baggage. We take off the backpack. We put on our running clothes. We prepare ourselves to run through this race with endurance. And then we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We'll come back to that as well. We begin with the cloud of witnesses. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, We know when we see this, we always look to see what it's there for. We pull in the past chapter. It's telling us after going through all of this, it's giving us a conclusion. It's saying here now is what we are supposed to do. So therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now there's two ways that this can be taken. There's two ways when you read the commentaries, when you study this, that people look at this cloud of witnesses. There's one Philosophy, one thought that says this is like an arena. You picture the Olympics as somebody is finishing running a race. They come into the arena. They take their last lap of a distance race in the Olympics inside of that arena. As they enter into that arena, there are clouds of people around them and they begin to cheer for them and it gives them that encouragement to go on. That's one way that this has been interpreted. I don't think that's the best way to interpret this. Here's the reason I don't think that's the best way to interpret this. It says that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
We look at the context. We recognize that the chapters and verses were not there originally. This was a letter written, so everything building up is telling us what it's there for. If we take this as a host of people looking down upon us as we finish our race, we are the center of that story. I don't think the Bible has us. In fact, I know the Bible doesn't have us as the center of the story. This is God's story. This is the story of our failure in his redemption. So I believe we're always better to have that vertical focus, to have that theological emphasis focusing on God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There's a conviction here and we need witnesses to bring in this conviction. So therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are the witnesses? Hebrews chapter 11. It's the Old Testament saints. Look at what it says and I I can't skip verse 3 because we are a creationist institution here. And in verse three, it says, by faith, as you begin this march of by faith, this rhetorical repetition of by faith, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Here, even in Hebrews, we have an affirmation of what we see in Genesis. In the beginning, God created. And how you begin your worldview changes everything. If you begin your worldview from an evolutionary perspective where survival of the fittest, I really don't know how you maintain going through a season like this without despair. If you believe what God's word says to us, his revelation to us, that in the beginning, God, And God created us in such a way that we have value and worth because we are made in his image. We make decisions about how we do life because we value life because we are in his image. We sinned. We fell away. Adam and Eve sinned and all of us have followed in those footsteps. And so we are separated from that creator and we need the grace and the gospel of redemption that comes through Jesus Christ where he pays our penalty on the cross and then he conquers death and then he ascends into heaven and he's coming again. And that is the great hope. That's the reason we don't despair. That's the reason we don't fear death in such a way that it drives us to depression because we know we have an eternal hope and an eternal eternal future and we may not understand what's happening now but that's okay you look in Hebrews chapter 11 and first you see Abel and there's the old Sunday school joke why did Cain kill his brother because he was Abel it's there Abel made a more acceptable sacrifice and he was commended as righteousness so I would say to you by faith Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice We begin marching through the text here and we see that Enoch comes next in verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not experience death. We see the next one. By faith, Noah built an ark for events yet unseen. Think about Noah. Think about his experience in his life and what he might say to us were he here this morning. You think about Noah who because God told him to built an ark in a time where the rains, the floods had not yet been seen. And as he builds this ark, the New Testament calls him a preacher of righteousness. Yet nobody believes in his message. He is isolated. He is alone. Everybody disbelieves what he is saying. And he continues to obey God 
to serve God, to follow God. Think about the pressure. Think about the despair that he must have been under. Think about the dark days that Noah must have had. And yet if Noah were here this morning, if Noah were standing right here in my place this morning, Noah would look right at you and he would say, God is faithful. You can trust him. We have this promise. God told Noah, build an ark. There is a destruction and a flood coming. Be prepared. And yet God put his family in it and sealed up the door and preserved them through a global flood that was coming. Our God is the one that we must put our trust and our faith in. We look at what happens next here and we see by faith Abraham. Abraham going out to a land he does not know, to a place that has been promised to him. He has no clue what's coming. He leaves everything he knows. He goes out to an uncertain future. He's he's not always great in how he does it. He he says his wife is a sister because he's afraid of some things that are happening. He has his moments. I'm sure there are times where he doubted, where he was unsure, where he wasn't quite confident. And yet he goes and he follows God and he trusts God. And if Abraham were here to us this morning, standing in this spot, he would tell us that God is faithful and you can trust him. You think about Sarah after the age of childbearing years. She had not had children. And that society, even a bigger deal than what it might be today, she's wondering. She has her doubts. She, she even laughs at the very thought of it. And as this takes place, now, looking at God keeping his promises, Sarah, by faith, had the power to conceive. God granted her that. And so she would testify to us, God is faithful. You can trust him. Think about Abraham with that son of promise. Lest that son of promise become something he worships. The Lord says, sacrifice your son. He goes up that mountain. And as he begins to sacrifice, the angel stops him. And there's a substitutionary sacrifice with a ram caught by its horn, still unblemished in the thicket. So that the substitutionary sacrifice the shedding of blood could be there foreshadowing Jesus who takes away our sin if Abraham were here he would tell you this morning God is faithful and you can trust him you think about Isaac who blessed his sons Jacob and Esau you think about Jacob who blessed his son Joseph oh and when I think about Joseph I look at what Joseph went through sold by his brothers into slavery begins to prosper again And then he's convicted and sent to jail wrongly. As he's sitting in that cell, I can't help but imagine that in his mind there are the days where he thinks, what is going on here? Why, Lord, why? Despair, discouragement. And yet the Lord uses him to go through a famine. And at the end of that time, it says here, by faith, He told them to take his bones out when God would come to get him. He had faith looking forward to something he did not see so that in the future when the children of Israel would leave Egypt, he says, take my bones from this place. That is the faith that we have to have looking to the future, looking to our sure promises through Jesus. God keeps his promises. He is faithful and you can trust him. Joseph, by faith, gave direction to take his bones out of Egypt. Think about Moses, 
the baby that was saved because his mom wouldn't do what Pharaoh had said do and put him in the bulrushes. And then when he grows up, he's in Pharaoh's house. He has all the riches. He has the title. He looks at this and he says, I'm gonna reject that because I'd rather be mistreated with the people of God than to have all that this world has to offer. He goes out into an uncertain, unknown future and God calls him to go back to the most powerful man in all of the world and say, God said, let our people go. God performs all these miracles. Moses leading the people out. And as he's leading the people out, the children of Israel come to the Red Sea. And you remember what they did. The children of Israel come there and they look with their human eyes. They look at a sea and they turn around and they look back and they see these chariots coming. They see the army coming. And in their lack of faith, they look around and say, what did you do? Did you bring us out here to die? Well, Moses turns around and he raises that staff into the air and the Red Sea parts and they walk across on dry ground. A miracle of God. It's dry ground. It's not swampy, mushy. It's not full of seaweed. It's dry ground as though it were dry ground and they go through and then the armies of Pharaoh with no faith try to go through after them and the Lord destroys them. The Lord has made his promises and he will keep them. The children of Israel, as they marched through that Red Sea, looked up and said a testimony to us. It would be God is faithful and you can trust him. They come to a town called Jericho. God gives them the marching orders. You're gonna march around this town. You're gonna do so for seven days. You're gonna do so seven times. You're gonna blow shofar and the walls are gonna fall down. A battle plan that nobody else has tried to accomplish to this day because it makes absolutely no sense except in the economy of God. And they do so. And the walls fall down. Rahab, by faith, Rahab welcomed the spies. She lost her town. She lost her village. She probably lost a lot of friends. Rahab, not a person known for her characters. Rahab the harlot, Rahab the prostitute. And yet God takes people who have done really bad things and he uses them because it's not about what we have done. It's about what he has done. It's not about the depths of our sin. It's about the depths of his grace. And so he takes even Rahab and puts her in the heroes of the faith as she welcomed these spies in here. So if you are worried about what you've done, God can never use me. God's not gonna use me. God can use any of us because it's about his grace and not about our sin. Gideon, by faith. Oh, but didn't he lack faith when he first starts? Oh, let's put out the fleece. Oh, well, maybe that doesn't work. Let's put it out on the other side. Let's see. Let's see what happens here. And then even with too many people, no, take them down some more because then you're gonna give credit to the people. Gideon, by faith, conquered with 300 men. God showing to us in all of these Old Testament witnesses that he is faithful and that we should trust him. Barak. It's one of my favorites. He looks out and he sees the iron chariots. And with human eyes and human perception, he rightly looks and sees, I can do nothing with all of this. But he lacks faith at that moment. So Barak, whose name means lightning. Deborah, whose name means honeybee. Honeybee comes up and challenges lightning and said, God has told you to do this. Go and do this. And finally he does. And God proves he is faithful and that you can trust him. 
Samson, who gave in to temptation, who suffered betrayal, lost his eyesight, at the end of his life cried out to God and pulled down the walls of the temple. Samson, by faith, knows that God is faithful and you can trust him. And then it goes on and it says, what about Jephthah? I don't have time to tell you about Jephthah or about David or about Samuel. What about those fires that have been quenched, perhaps referring to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where they go into the fires and learn there's a fourth person there with them in the fires? The mouths of lions being closed, perhaps a reference to Daniel chapter 6. But then it's important for us to note also that by faith some were tortured, refusing to accept release. The hallways of history tell us that there are those who have stood firm and God has not rescued them. There are those who have been faithful and yet they have still died. We are not guaranteed prosperity in this life. We are not guaranteed that everything will go smoothly for us in this life. But we are guaranteed by grace through faith that God will save us and there is an eternity that awaits. And that's where our hope comes from. If you're trusting in this world for everything to satisfy you, you are gonna be disappointed. You are gonna suffer despair. These are uncertain times. And all the more as believers, we build our faith upon the rock of Jesus Christ, upon the testimony that he is Lord. We don't worry about the shifting sands of the world that fall around us. By faith, some were mocked, flogged, imprisoned. By faith, some were stoned. By faith, some were sawn in two. By faith, many of them were killed, of whom the Bible says in 1138, the world was not worthy of them. There will be those going through this moment who by faith will serve others and who may not make it. But we have the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should be wise We should do what we can. We should pray for God's protection. We shouldn't be foolish in what we do. And yet even so, as we seek to serve others, there may be some of us that don't make it. But God is faithful and you can trust him. And that's why we don't despair. That's why we don't worry. That's why we don't have anxiety. That's why we don't have sleepless nights. Because we trust our God. And in those moments when those things come and when those things arise, we look back at our word and we preach the gospel to ourselves. We dig deep into the word of God. We make sure that we understand what his word says and the promises that his word makes. And we make sure we continue on knowing that God is faithful and that we can trust him. Continues on here, it says, lay aside every weight. Get rid of those things that are holding you back. Take off the backpack of the world's worries. It says that we should put aside the sins which cling so closely. Now is the time of all times to examine our lives and our sins and to put those aside and to cling to the hope of the gospel, to cling to God's word, to walk with him in a new and fresh way, to spend the time that we have growing deeper in our faith. We run with endurance. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be a challenge. There are gonna be days when we get tired and don't wanna press on or pursue. But we as believers run with endurance with the hope of the gospel. This last phrase is so important. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We don't look to our money as our hope. 
the stock market could be gone tomorrow. We don't look to our talent or our ability as our hope. We are but grass and flowers that will be gone tomorrow. We don't look to political leaders or to medical leaders as our hope for our future. We look to Jesus because Jesus is the only one who holds the future and controls the future. So as we grow anxious, as our hearts begin to race, as we go through those moments where we recognize I'm not trusting the Lord right now, we pray and we ask God and we focus our attention on Jesus and we look to him because he is faithful and we can trust him. If your faith is in anything else this morning, you're putting your faith on the sands that shift right underneath our feet. So as we go through this difficult time, as we go through these trials, as we go through this season, it's going to challenge us all. That's going to bring up in our own life, bubble up impurities that we need to deal with. It's going to bring up a lack of trust in some of our lives that we need to address. May we continue to set our gaze and set our focus on Jesus. He's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And may we never forget that God is faithful. We can trust him. Dear Lord, we come to you and confess that there are moments in our lives when we just focus on what's around us. We get caught up in the things of this world. And Lord, right now, there's so much to be caught up in as we look at the news, as we look at social media. It seems like there's bad news everywhere. But Lord, may you help our hearts to rest. May you help our hearts to be settled in the fact that you are faithful and that we can trust you. Even with all the uncertainty of this world, we cling to the certainty of eternity. We cling to the certainty of your promises. We cling to the certainty of the gospel. And may we constantly remind ourselves and others and encourage one another that you are faithful and that we can trust you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.